0: He told me my fish would die in the next day dead.
1: We sing it a lot.
0: Are you telling a story, um, or am I?
1: <laughs> Welcome to our friendship boat, a loosely structured bonus Patreon episode of friendship that also turns Gabe's joke tragedy into triumph. Climb aboard, everybody! <laughs> Climb aboard our friendship boat. <laughs> oh, God. Friendship boat? Like, come on. Happy friendship boat first Tuesday of the month. SVU pod, boat of friendship. Oh my God. So that thing you posted when you were like, oh, I was just thinking about how I was hanging out with these girls and you were getting all whatever and they were like, you're invited to the cookout Mm -hmm. and you were like, I'm coming back for that. Yeah. Yeah and they were like oh my god i forgot that that was you that that had happened to and i was telling somebody the other day i'm like i know someone i can't for the life of me remember but i know someone who was the
0: whitest person in this situation and was like i am gonna bring potato salad I, or whatever. It literally was i was like i'll come back <laughs> and, and you know what it didn't it didn't hit me what that meant for like a couple years later really yeah because i used to be like yeah they invited me to cook out it was so much fun i totally would have gone back like i said this story like a million times then i learned about the whole like you're, you're invited to, to, to the cookout, the cookout. Thing. And, I was, and i was like oh fuck oh man i'm terrible i mean it's high praise which i think is great but but yeah so that was cool <laughs>
1: I'm so glad you said that, though. It was legit like a week ago. I was explaining that turn of phrase Mm -hmm. to John, I think, telling him what that was about. I was like, oh, my God, I know somebody who was like, quote unquote, invited to the cookout and they thought it was a real cookout.
0: Yeah. I I don't know why that popped in my head. I was just laying in bed and I was like, fucking goddamn it. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's a friendship boat if ever there was one. That's more of a friendship boat than the friendship boat. You know why? Because you didn't catch it for years
0: yeah i thought i thought it was gonna be the um emergency room that's a friend that's a friendship boat is it
1: well yeah i think your whole life is kind of showing us that your existence is the friendship boat Boat. it's not just like a one isolated thing it's who you are why it makes me feel (laughs) close to it i don't know do you want to tell your emergency room story
0: i don't know should i
1: i mean if you want to we can put both of these things together yeah i can you want me to do it now? This is not to shame you. This is to enjoy life with you. Uh, okay. You're in a safe place, Gabe. We all love you. Oh my god, you guys! Thank you for a hundred patrons. Yeah. Oh my god. It's I texted it's my big to us. I texted
0: my parents. They were like, Gee. "You did? Yeah. Well, I did a group text with my sisters too?
1: Yeah, we were. We were so excited texting each other, like, "Yay, yeah, yeah. got hundred patrons!
0: My sister was you. like,
1: "Oh, congrats! And my dad's like, "I got a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell your emergency room story. Okay, so
0: there was a couple episodes ago. I rem- remember saying, "Oh, I got this like cookout. I'm going to this um." Chili cook-off. Not that cookout, out yeah, But i going it, to it, uh, a real one <laughs> that I've been invited to. <laughs> you were like, what is your life? And I was like, whatever. Because it was a Lord of the Rings cook-off. Like, okay, so I go to this <laughs> I go to this chili cook-off. It's amazing. There's six different types of chili. We're all in our PJs. I drink, I bring a bottle of champagne. I, I had two huge mimosas, and I never drink champagne or orange juice, mm-hmm. right? Eat more chili. Go home later at night. Order a chicken parm <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> In the morning, I was just sitting on the couch, and I just slightly adjusted. I wasn't doing anything cool, and my back goes out, right? Which happens, like, every fucking January. It's the worst thing ever, Mm -hmm. and I'm always fucked for, like, two weeks. So I'm just, like, laying down all day, like, pissed this is happening, and my chest is, like, kind of hurting, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm by myself, so I didn't get too anxious about it till around 6.30 when I was like, I should start Googling chest pain. <laughs> you know, which I know, oh my, my brain is screaming like the tiny Tasha in my brain is going no, but I'm like, shut up, <laughs> eat your tiny piece of popcorn I gave you. <laughs> I call a nurse. I'm just to see. I'm like, yeah, you know, I threw my back out and like my chest kind of hurts. Blah blah blah, and she's like, you need to call nine one one. And I was like, what? She's like, and I had that like hot rush of like anxiety over my face. I know that's the thing you're
1: supposed to say, but I still got a little
0: mad at her just now. (laughs)
1: I'm like, you have to ease her into this a lot more gently than that. The
0: nurse. You're mad at the nurse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I was like, well, can I just drive? What's going on? Am I having a heart attack or something? She's like, the computer just says you should call 911 and you shouldn't drive because it's dangerous. And I was like, oh, my God. So I fucking in a panic. I call 911. I'm talking to the guy. I start crying. And he's like, they're on their way. And I was like, I don't think I'm having a heart attack. You know, uh, he's like, go get all the medicine that you take and have it ready for when they're there. And I was like, can you have them come down the street with no lights on? And um, they didn't do that. And they brought a whole ass fucking fire truck, too. Okay. <laughs> So okay. I'm in this robe, okay, that's covered in a ton of dog hair from the my friend's dog at the Chili Cookout, right? Balling, holding like my tiny bottle of citalopram and like my big-ass bottle of horse – or of uh, fish oil, you know? <laughs> horse pills. <laughs> horse pills. And my – oh, my God, I forgot about – I had my mu- women's multivitamin, my vitamin D, and the, they were like, put those down. And I was like, ah! You know? And they took my blood pressure and they're like, is it normally this high? And I was like, well, no, I don't know. There's like six twos in my house. I might be having a heart attack. Whatever. They wanted me to go into the ambulance to do an EKG, right? But I, like my back hurt and I couldn't get down the stairs. And it was like, they had to like help me and it was so stupid. And I get in there and they put me in that gurney and it's like... Vroom. You know, and I'm like, no, this is terrible. And they're like putting these things under under my boobs, you know, to do the EKG. And I swear, I felt like a little of like air on my nipple. And I was like, it's out. I know it's out. I know they can see it. <laughs> and I fucking hated it. Yeah. And the guy's like, look, everything looks good. But we're not doctors. And chew these baby aspirins. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, They're like, let's just take you just in case, all right? So I'm fucking getting, I'm taking an ambulance ride. And I was like, I get car sick. And he's like, it's fine. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) the guy was like, just trying to make me feel better and telling me about his life. And I was not having it. You know, he was like, oh, my wife is a teacher. And I was like, oh, my God, you're a fucking paramedic and your wife's a teacher. Of course. (laughs) Of fucking course. I was like, let me guess. You have two and a half kids. I was kind of being a dick, actually. And he was like, no, we have one son. And I was like, yeah, but you have a dog, though, right? And he's like, yeah, a golden retriever. And I was like, of course you fucking do. Of course you do. Anyways, I get to this hospital. It's gross. I'm terrible. I had to take another EKG thing. I get into a room. I get like an IV and all this stuff, and then
1: I can't remember when you called me. Was it after all of this, or was it? Were you at the hospital? It was
0: after. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get you all worked up because it was nighttime, and I know you'd be like, (laughs) you know, yeah. So we're like getting all hooked up to shit. This is the most embarrassing thing ever. The doctor comes in. This guy is not taking any of my anxiety shit. Like he just is like, it's fucking like Sunday, and you're here, (laughs) you know.
1: (laughs) I hate when they don't like jokes. I At know. least appease me
0: a little bit. I know. I was and I was really like throwing them out. I had to. But then he is just like, you know, COVID's crazy right now, right? Enjoy this room. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, but that's was what's was going on in my you head. You felt that though. Yeah yeah so he comes back and he's like i had to do a urinary test because there's some enzyme with your heart or something and whatever and he was like mm-hmm. i want you to do a ct scan because sometimes when like your back hurts and your front it was said <laughs> uh when your and your <laughs> chest hurts it means an aneurysm is coming and i was like oh what you know oh my god so they're getting that prepped and the other nurse guy Aaron, whatever his name is he comes in and he's like typing some stuff and he goes god oh, man this sounds like gerd." Were you laying down when it started hurting more and more And I was like yeah because of my back What's good? He's like it's acid reflux And I was like no oh my god (laughs) And I was like I whispered to him I was like dude yesterday I was at a chili competition I ate chili all day champagne orange juice A chicken parm Okay (laughs) And he goes and I'm whispering this And he goes Oh my god And uh, I was like don't say anything (laughs) And he's like, I have to, and I was like, Oh, whatever. <laughs> so he's he's wheeling me to the CT thing, and I'm just like wide eyed, like fuck. He like this guy was funny. He like leans down. He goes, he's wheeling me. And he's like, Yeah, but um, was it worth it? <laughs> 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 and I said, Fuck yeah, dude, I'd do it again tomorrow. I'd do it again tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. So they, I got a CT scan. <laughs> they give you that stuff that makes you feel like you're peeing, which is super weird. And I go back to the uh-huh. room and the doctor comes in with this like fucking... Ju-
1: Wait, I don't know what that means. I'm like, uh-huh. I don't know what that means. They give you the stuff that makes you feel it's like you're peeing. It's this contact stuff.
0: It, like, they put it into your IV. And so when you go through it, it can read stuff, but it f- makes everything feel warm. So it makes your junk feel like you're peeing and it really does it's crazy i've yeah no i don't know that she's like it's gonna feel like you're peeing but you're not peeing and i was like what is happening you gotta start over you gotta start over why am i gonna feel like i'm peeing (laughs) anyways yeah i go back to the room the doctor gives me this fucking gi fucking cocktail thing shit's gone chest feels fine um he's like bye (laughs) and he was like all your fucking everything in my torso looks great all my lungs and heart cool. i don't have to start taking care of myself for at least like three or four more years <laughs> yeah. so i called my buddy casey and i was like dude just can you just i'm at st mary's can you pick me up and he's like what happened actually just tell me in the car i'll be there in a minute <laughs> in my slippers and everything it was awful oh it was God. so fucking embarrassing it's great for me oh.
1: I mean, I'm really glad everything's fine, and I'm like, it sucks because it is like the hospitals are. I would be thinking the same way, like, uh, is this worth me being here or whatever because of COVID and stuff. But yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, now I know all my guts and all my organs are fucking great. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm always worried. I'm like, what if, what if my kidneys is dead and I would don't know or you know because of anxiety.
1: I mean, they have to make sure because if it sounds like that enough to professionals.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Nurse at the hospital is like, oh, dude, if you say anything to a nurse on the phone about chest, they're going to tell you to go to the ER immediately. You know? Yeah.
1: God, I don't know how old I was, maybe like 10, something like 10 or whatever. And I was having major abdominal pain to the point where my mom was like, I'm taking you to the ER. We're going to the ER, blah, blah. blah." And we didn't have money. We were like grown up no money and we're in America so that shit costs fucking money Mm -hmm. and she's like do you want me to stop at Judy's her friend that would be on the way to like taking me to the ER and I'm like no just get me there she's like okay because I can stop and see if it goes away and I'm like no so my mom thinks that my appendix is exploding or something we get there we're there for a while but I think maybe halfway into it It didn't hurt anymore. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I I can't say anything because I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. They did all these, like, x-rays and all this shit. And at the end of it, the doctor came and explained all this stuff. And I was like, well, what was it? And he left the room and my mom's sitting there with his face, (laughs) eyebrows up, (laughs) yeah, eyebrows up, thin lips pressed together. And I'm like, so what did he say is going on? She's like, that you have gas. (laughs) You could have rolled around on the floor for $200 at home. (laughs) And she tells everyone, everyone that she meets, tell them about your two hundred dollars fart, Tasha. <laughs> it's funny now at the time she was pissed, that's like a month of groceries right at that time in my my life. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't fucking know, yeah, but you know, Ugh. we've all been there to some degree. yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna take a huge turn here. Remember when we were doing a few episodes ago, we were doing season three, episode 15, execution. And I did the chaser for the murder of Adam Walsh and the confession mm-hmm. by Otis Toole. And then we talked about Otis Tool, and da da da. There is so much more to know about Tool and his relationship with Henry Lee Lucas that I wanted to keep talking about it here and get into Lucas a little bit more. So I'm going to tack that on with Gabe's ER story for our friendship boat, <laughs> this little bonus chaser. The only thing I want to say up top is that because these are such well-known serial killers, there is a fucking garbage barge of stories done on them, Mm -hmm. meaning there's so much conflicting information as far as dates, exact charges, crime details, things like that, so I kind of went with the most reliable sourcing for that stuff, but... You know you anyway. never know you never know so we're gonna pick back up in tools childhood if you need the precursor to any of tools shit we, we don't all ever
0: about know no 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 <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> tools iq was 75 so he <laughs> has se- no Back in Tool's childhood His IQ was 75 So he had Significant limitations In his intellectual functioning He suffered from epilepsy And experienced Multiple grand mal seizures Mm -hmm. As a child Tool would run away And squat in abandoned houses He was also super into fire To the point of being Sexually aroused by it So Mm -hmm. he had A lot of those Serial killer qualities What is that? The triad of sociopathy I don't know If he was a bedwetter But he did Fuck with animals And he did Set shit on fire He came out to his family as gay at 10 which as one can imagine was not well received when he was 12 he had a sexual relationship with another neighborhood boy and by the time he was in ninth grade tool had dropped out of school completely and began frequenting gay bars he was also making his money in sex work it was doing this that at 14 he committed his first murder a traveling salesman tried picking him up for sex at some point in the encounter tool ran over the dude with his own car and killed him. Tool spent the next handful of years hitchhiking around the southwestern states. He was named a prime suspect in the murders of two women during this time, 24-year-old Patricia Webb in Nebraska and 31-year-old Ellen Holman in Boulder, Colorado. He's got all this heat on him. Like, he would stay in one spot for a little while, and then as soon as things would start to spotlight on him, he would leave. Yeah. So he took off and wandered around the south for a while before heading back to Jacksonville. On January 14, 1976, he married a woman 25 years older. He he later said that he married her to closet his homosexuality. Okay. And I don't know what created this situation, but I guess he told her or something because she left him just days after they were married because she discovered his sexuality. Okay. Later that year at a Jacksonville soup kitchen, Tool met pig slop person henry lee lucas pig slop person yeah you mean
0: like he's a bad person or that was his job is there a pig slop job at a farm well, that would
1: just be a farmer which is probably a respectable job but no he this he's human pig slop okay. he's a just a trash human person okay. um so we're gonna record scratch with otis tool and go right into henry lee lucas right now okay Henry Lee Lucas was born on August 23rd, 1936 in a tiny log cabin in Blacksburg, Virginia to Viola and Anderson Lucas. His mother was a sex worker who would service clients intentionally in front of her son. His dad was an alcoholic who had lost both of his legs in a train accident Whoa. and froze nearly to death in a December blizzard one night in 1949. He died days later in the hospital from exposure and stuff. hypothermia, yeah. exposure, pneumonia. People believe that he was trying to kill himself doing that because he was also pretty abused and degraded by Lucas's mom Lucas also experienced terrible abuse, neglect, and public humiliation at the hands of his mother. He was forced to sleep in a chicken coop his entire early life. Whoa. She beat him into a coma as a child, and when he recovered, he would have seizures for the rest of his life. Okay, well, that'll fucking do it. When Lucas was 10, he lost his eye from an infection that went untreated after his brother stabbed him in it. Like, they were fucking around. Yeah. And his mom was like, what do you want me to do about it? Also, he got pretty serious lead poisoning from the paint in the chicken coop that he was forced to live in. Lucas's mom also dressed him in a dress, put ringlets in his hair and forced him to go to school, quote, dressed as a girl to humiliate him as a form of punishment.
0: I don't understand anything.
1: I know. It's disgusting how he was treated and reading about him as a kid is heartbreaking. Yeah. He did awful, awful things as an adult. So it's like, how do you separate those things? But any kid being treated like that is, it's so sad.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, like we said before, it's not an excuse for his, behavior no maybe just an explanation but it's not an excuse
1: yeah it's it's just weird because you hesitate i hesitate to have compassion because of things he went on to do but i also like can't help it because that's a little fucking kid like why do you why are you doing this to a kid your kid there's so much more his childhood was actually one of the worst i'd ever read about Really? Shortly after his father's death, Lucas dropped out of school and began drifting around Virginia. He later claimed his first murder was at age 14 or 15 and that he had abducted a young girl from a bus station, then beat her, sexually assaulted her, and killed her. Mm. That wasn't his first sexual encounter, though. He had been having sex with small animals for some time already. What? Yeah like squirrels and rabbits and stuff
0: how do you do how do you
1: I hate that you ask that question because I know the answer and
0: you do um
1: it, it's it's disturbing and <gasps> the Does details of it cut them they're yep it's it's i don't want it's very disturbing it's not anything in which the animal comes out alive at the end it's very gross
0: i didn't um, even know that was a fucking thing and um that is all i'm gonna be fucking imagining all day uh, i don't like that sorry dude okay go ahead friendship boat this is
1: great <laughs> toot toot on June 10th, 1954, dude, you are the one who was like, I want to hear more about Henry Lee Lucas. Well, I do. here well, you fucking go. Here you go. He's a sick fuck. All right. Calm His down. His mother destroyed him. It's always the mom's fault. Bitch, it is her fault. Right. Maybe not entirely. Maybe there was a little something in there, but fuck, man. On June 10th, 1954, Lucas was convicted of multiple burglaries in the Richmond area and was sentenced to four years in prison. In 1957, he escaped. He was caught a few days later after getting home and raping his niece who was staying with Viola. The niece never told anyone that this had happened. This is just an account that he made. These are all his stories. So again, he was such a fabricator that we don't know if any details of his shit are true unless there's proof attached.
0: Could that maybe not be true about the animal thing then?
1: Possibly. I choose there's that. There's a possibility. I choose that. He, you choose, okay. He, that is fiction and it has never happened. So escaping from prison you would think would get him a bunch of time tacked on but he was released on September 2nd, 1957. Okay. Uh, that was the same year that he escaped. Yeah, okay. So old timey shit. <laughs> After being released 23 year old Lucas moved to Tecumseh, Michigan and was staying with his half sister Opal. He had been writing to a woman while in prison and she lived near lucas's sister like this was a convenience of something that he made right yeah they continued to see each other and were eventually engaged news spread to lucas's mother okay that he was engaged to be married he didn't tell her his mom didn't even know that he was out of prison she hopped on a bus and went up to michigan She was pissed that her son didn't come home from prison to take care of her, right? She's an older woman at this point and she feels like he owes it to her. He should be moving back in with her, living with her and taking care of her. Yeah. So Lucas's fiance's name was Stella and Stella and Lucas were out celebrating their engagement. His mom came out, started shit, got in a huge fight with Stella to the point where Stella was like, I'm not going to be a part of this. This is insane. I'm calling off the engagement. If you believe Lucas's story... That Mm -hmm. should start at every story. On January 11th, 1960, he woke up to being beaten in the head with a broom handle by his mother. Mm -hmm. He responded by stabbing her in the neck. What he said was, quote, all I remember was slapping her alongside the neck. But after I did that, I saw her fall and decided to grab her. But she fell to the floor. And when I went back to pick her up, I realized she was dead. Then I noticed that I had my knife in my hand and she had been cut. He took the fuck off. Mm-hmm. Opal was the one to find their mother in a pool of blood. Her mom wasn't dead, though. Opal tried life-saving shit, calling 911 and whatever. They were busy with Gabe. No, sorry. Um,
0: <laughs> no, her- <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> sorry.
1: Sorry. <laughs> Opal's okay. actions were not enough to save her, and Viola died of a heart attack related to the stabbing. When Lucas was later picked up in Ohio, he claimed self-defense. Maybe that had something to do with why he was given a sentence of 20 to 40 years on a second-degree murder charge instead of first-degree murder. I'm not sure. Hmm. So during the time he was in prison, he attempted to kill himself multiple times. And also, you're going to get mad about this, Okay, he was released after serving 10 years because of prison overcrowding. Wow. He killed somebody. Yeah. There are so, okay, this just like, er, I'm just gonna pull up my soapbox real quick. There are so many nonviolent offenders in prison that should have been released before him, but what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. He told them to not let him go. He said, quote, When they put me out on parole, I said I'm not ready to go. I told them all, the warden, the psychologist, everyone, that I was going to kill. He claimed upon release, he immediately stole a car, picked up two teenage hitchhikers, killed both of them, and raped their bodies before dumping them. Okay. He spent the next months traveling, staying with family, and was accused of molesting the children of these family members. In 1970, Lucas had attempted to abduct three teenage girls, and they were like, nah, dude, and they escaped and told the police. So he got chucked back in prison for the next three and a half years. Mm-hmm. During his stay, he began a correspondence with Betty Crawford, a widow of his cousin. Okay. When he was released, Lucas moved up to Port Deposit, Maryland, where he and Betty were married. He worked how on a these, mushroom farm.
0: I, how do I these motherfuckers always get married so many times? Like, what the <sighs> fuck? I don't get it.
1: Yeah, what is the... I have no idea. I mean, he was like... A Charlie Day-sized man with a glass eye and Charles Manson hair.
0: Yeah. I mean, and not not even the physical appearance stuff. I mean, it's like... Well, I'm sorry, but how charming can you be?
1: Because there was another thing I read that he smelled terrible because of the lead poisoning that he had. It was like he smelled of some sort of like metallic something. Hmm. So that on top of all of this, sorry. (laughs) I don't
0: i just don't understand and like all of them all the serial mm. killers and stuff have been married like multiple times yeah it's like bananas to me how do you snag so much so much it's crazy go ahead
1: nah, nah, nah. he and betty were married he worked on a mushroom farm and lived in a trailer with his wife and her three young daughters oh, what are
0: you laughing at
1: his job
0: no it's just like it's like i got out of prison and i got married again i work on a mushroom farm. it's like <laughs> i don't understand Whatever.
1: So he was living in a trailer with his wife and her three young daughters until the girls told Betty that their stepfather Henry had been raping them. Of course. Betty told him to fuck off and he left. He would later claim that he raped and murdered a huge number of women during this time of drifting around the southern states. Okay, so now we're up to speed on Lucas. Let's Mm -hmm. go back to the soup kitchen in Jacksonville. It's 1976. Okay. Okay, Tool. Lucas, these dudes meet and immediately are drawn to one another. They bonded over similarly terrible childhoods, both killed as teens, and both had done time for assorted offenses. Mm. These guys then began a sexual relationship, Lucas moving in with Tool's family in Jacksonville. Another thing that I had seen, heard, or read about Lucas was that all the, like, the little bullet point facts on him say that he was bisexual, mm-hmm. but he wasn't making human connections. Mm-hmm. It's reptilian. Sure. Okay. Tool's 10-year-old niece, Becky Powell, was living there as well. Between the years of 1979 and 1981, Lucas and Tool worked at a roofing company together. They also claimed to have killed over 100 people together and many more separately. Uh, The two also said that Tool would often cannibalize the victims. These dudes were just bumming around half the country, raping, torturing, and killing everywhere they went, completely at random. Lucas once said of how they chose the victims, quote, Killing someone is just like walking outdoors. If I wanted a victim, I'd go out and get one.
0: Are any of these things proven to be true about any of them some there... things okay
1: they looked at it as something that bonded them lucas said that he was kind of a coach for tool teaching him ways to kill without being caught quote, he was doing his crimes all one way. I started to correct him in his ways in doing the crime where he wouldn't leave information. Mm-hmm. Another wild claim they made was that their killings were ordered by a satanic cult that they were a part of called the Hands of Death. Sure. Like they'd get a call and have to go kill a random person. Right. There's also a bunch of recorded audio of them talking on the phone later in prison and they reminisce a lot about their shared murders. Mm-hmm. Like Tool would sit and talk about cooking people and eating them with barbecue sauce and shit. And they would talk about different victims together. I don't know if they allowed them to have correspondence to try to get more information. I'm assuming that's why they did because otherwise yeah. like that's not legal.
0: Yeah, they went like to they don't let yeah. prisoners
1: correspond with one another. The pair ended up back in Jacksonville where Lucas and Tool's niece Becky began a relationship, if you want to call it that, a very statutory relationship. She was maybe like 14 at this time. Okay. Well, Lucas took off to Texas with Becky, leaving Tool behind. And Tool did not like it okay okay so becky was actually one of the few people who tool genuinely cared about and lucas was his other half basically yeah he later said he was so upset by it and rage murdered nine people across six states as a result Hmm. lucas worked for an elderly woman named kate rich while in texas fucked her over financially so he lost that gig and it wasn't long before on august 24th 1982 lucas persuaded becky to go out into a field on this ranch they were staying at in denton texas Mm -hmm. Killed her, raped her corpse, dismembered her, and scattered her body all around the field. Uh, okay. A little less than a month later, I, and, and there's no explanation for why. It's not like they got on a fight or whatever. This wasn't. He
0: got bored? No. It, specified. Was this I stuff. Don't know. Was her body and stuff found and like. It was... I will get to... I will get there. Yeah.
1: So a little less than a month later, he called up Kate Rich, his former boss, and asked her for help in looking for Becky. Okay. At this point, it seemed as if Becky had been missing for a few weeks. Yeah. Well, obviously, Kate's like, yeah, I'll help you. He killed her, carved an upside down cross in her chest, raped her corpse, and shoved her body into a drainage pipe.
0: Jesus He then
1: went to the House of Prayer. Okay, so the House of Prayer was a commune that he and Becky had stayed with for a short time before he killed her. Mm -hmm. He wasn't there but for a few days when he learned that he was a suspect in the disappearance of Kate Rich. Kind of panicking, he went back to the drainage pipe, collected her body, and destroyed her remains in a stove on the commune. Like, he straight cremated her there. But he did pass a polygraph test. Okay. Okay. Meanwhile, Tool is over in Florida, living in a boarding house. He was in a relationship with a 65-year-old owner of the house, George Sonnenberg. After an argument with George on January 4th, 1982, some sources say a different date here, Tool barricaded the house shut and set the building on fire with Sonnenberg inside. Sonnenberg died as a result of injuries he sustained in the fire a few days later. Jesus so Tool was sentenced to 20 years in prison. He went on to confess over 100 murders, some alongside Lucas and some on his own, including the abduction and murder of Adam Walsh. Okay. June 11th, 1983, Henry Lee Lucas gets arrested for illegal possession of a firearm and he straight confesses to the killings of Becky and Kate. They had not found him. That case had gone cold. He's like, I killed them. He later tried to recant just like he did with pretty much every confession. Mm-hmm. But bone fragments were found in the stove at the house of prayer where he burned Kate mm-hmm. and skeletal remains were found in the field where he killed Becky. Okay, So they were like, you confess to this and we have this evidence that you led us to. So as it sat, lucas was going to get put away for good this is when he began to confess to hundreds of murders so many that a lucas task force was assembled Mm -hmm. this is where it gets fucked up okay he keeps confessing well it was fucked up for a while
0: sorry yeah but
1: he keeps confessing to all this shit
0: did he even say that he went to like japan and like killed or people there or something he sure did yeah
1: police thought why would someone falsely confess to such awful things like nobody even considered that it wouldn't be true because who would confess to this shit The guy's sitting in prison for life, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: I mean, he could just, he could do it just on boredom alone. Yep. You know what I mean?
1: And I think that was part of it.
0: Yeah. With this task force, Lucas is
1: not sitting in a jail cell alone. He's staying in motels across the country, helping this task force close cases. He's eating steaks, drinking milkshakes. He had access to case files so he could refresh his memory before being interviewed. Mm. The whole thing was fucked. And tampered with and flawed from the beginning. At this time, detectives working the case were far enough removed from what the prison system was like and didn't realize these seemingly insignificant luxuries would be a problematic variable. Right. They're like, big deal, it's steak and milkshakes. It's like,
0: it's a big deal. This guy,
1: it is a big deal. This guy's gonna go and sleep in a comfortable bed and eat a steak dinner and not be in a noisy, scary fucking prison? Right. It added up so much that questions had to eventually start coming. His ex-wife Betty said that the timeline didn't fit with so many of the crimes he had claimed. He Mm -hmm. couldn't have been killing in Colorado when she saw him every day in Maryland for three years. Yeah. His claims got wild too. He supplied the poison for the Jonestown mass suicide. He killed Jimmy Hoffa. He committed murders in Spain and Japan. Japan, but there's zero evidence he'd ever left the fucking country. Right. Also, two different detectives eventually became suspicious of his claims and went as far as to make up cases. Given the information to interviewing detectives, Henry Lee Lucas confessed with the information that was in these files. This shit's all made up. Mm -hmm. So not only did they prove that Henry Lee Lucas is full of shit, but they proved that the investigation was being tampered with because he was having access to this information. Going back and creating a timeline also weeded out so many inconsistencies. When all was said and done, he had confessed to around 3,000 murders. murders. Think about how much time, resources, emotional, labor and pain victims families went through all this shit because this guy is such a fucked narcissist i mean i don't even know like yeah it's just so traumatic for the families to have to process and then to find out it may or may not even be true yeah also a few people that he had claimed to kill turned up alive
0: yeah i, be- I believe maybe like five
1: right he was okay so once it's all we don't we don't know how many but henry lee lucas was found guilty of nine murders yeah his confession to murdering a young woman in texas is what got him sentenced to death, though. Okay. A young woman who had been sexually assaulted and strangled to death was found in a culvert on Interstate thirty five in Travis County, Texas, in late October of nineteen seventy-nine. The only article of clothing she had on was a pair of orange socks. So that's what she became known as for the next forty years. They just called her orange socks. In two thousand nineteen, though, DNA identified her as Deborah Louise Jackson, so she has a name. Okay. Anyway, with less than a week before his scheduled execution in nineteen ninety eight, Texas governor george w bush commuted his sentence to life there's no way he could have been responsible for orange socks and that's why he was on death row there are work records putting him at a roofing job in florida at the time of her death he then went on to recant every single murder except for the death of his mother yeah which he claimed self-defense for Yeah. This guy was a living mind fuck. Right. Did no good for anybody and we hate him. He died of heart failure on March 13th, 2001 at 64.
0: Good.
1: Yeah. Alana, who we interviewed in season one, who does like the cold case stuff. She's really spent a lot of time dissecting. Henry Lee Lucas. Really? Yeah, because he was implicated. I think he confessed to the murder that she told us about in that interview we did with her, the murder of her fiancé, then now husband's mom. I don't remember if he confessed to her murder, but he was being investigated for her murder. So it's very possible. Mm -hmm. And then they ended up finding out who the actual murderer was. Mm -hmm. And that guy was put to death. But Lucas was...
0: I was thinking of the kid in the vineyard. Remember how she was, they were pretty was close. The, to,
1: that's what, was it the kid in the vineyard that she, I could be misremembering and
0: thinking that it was. I don't think they that, closed that case though. She said that they were close.
1: Yeah. I don't think they closed the uh, Dan, His name was Danny. Yeah. The kid who died. Uh,
0: God, who was we should killed. interview her again with something. I forgot we used to do those interviews. Those were kind of fun. Yeah. Those intermish though. Mm-hmm. Well, shit, thanks for the story.
1: Yeah, I wanted to tell you more about it. Thank you for your story. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Friendship boat. We don't talk about... No, no, no. We don't talk about Fight Club. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, Jacoby got his tonsils out and he's like... (sighs) How's he doing today, by the way? He's okay. He had like a rough nighttime. A rough night. Well, he was doing so much better and he's like, I don't want to take as much medicine. And I'm like, okay, because we were taking it around the clock. And I was like, well, I want you to get some better sleep. So I'm going to let you just kind of sleep. And I think I let him sleep a little too long because when he woke up, he was in so much pain. Yeah. So I just have to like find a balance. So
0: are you finding the past couple days he's
1: not been snoring he doesn't snore at all anymore awesome. and his voice is different but slightly but it might just be because it's all fucked up and it's healing but i think his voice might be a higher pitch octave? than or, it was yeah. before not a whole octave but yeah but i think it might just be like a little bit higher of a pitch because i'm like why are you talking like that and he's like what yeah because <laughs> he's kind of talking like this when he normally kind of talks like you know and i'm like Yeah. Yeah, no, he's doing good. He's just playing a lot of video games and eating fudgicles and stuff. Cool. Yeah.
0: good yeah oh my god um, i love that your um, mother-in-law fucking replied
1: oh my god gabe trolled my mother-in-law so fucking hard okay i'm gonna i'm gonna read this all right so she, so she I posted... didn't catch on at all right that wasn't her no theme. she didn't and that made me feel even worse so i posted a picture of jacoby on facebook and was like you know asking people to like send jokes and memes and shit because he likes that stuff so my mother-in-law comments i was lucky enough to spend a little time with our brave dude, hope the recovery is speedy. Gabe fucking responds to my mother-in-law and says, OMG, Catherine, I've been meaning to ask you. There's this show I think you would love. Have you seen suits? <laughs> oh, so good. I called Gabe right away. I'm like, you no, fucking. No, I called troll. you. Oh, did you call
0: me? Because I called oh. you like the second I pressed send, I was like, <laughs> I couldn't wait.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. No, no, no. You called me. Yeah. Gabe called me and she's like, Did you see what I posted? It's so funny. And I was like, she's going to respond one of two ways. Either she's not going to know what you're talking about and she'll take it genuinely or she'll know that you're trolling her. Yeah. And she'll just like it that we were talking about her. Yeah. And that's not a read. That's like, she'll just be like, oh, (laughs) because she can take a
0: joke. Yeah. I thought that she didn't know at all that it was like a joke, but she did. So then I felt bad. And then, then I forgot to delete it. And then like... (laughs) No, you were like, should I delete it? Oh, my God, I'm
1: going to delete it. I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't forget. forget. So I'm like, don't worry about it. I said, it's going to be one of two things. Either she's going to love that we're including her in a joke or she's going to not get it and think you're sincerely like suggesting the best show that's ever existed to her. Mm -hmm. So the next day, Catherine responds and says, yes, (laughs) I loved it. Thanks for thinking of me, heart emoji. Yeah, And I saw that, and I didn't realize it was going to do this to me, but she took it
0: genuinely, and that made me feel bad. (laughs) Yeah, I got the screenshot of it, and you were like, you're such a fucking troll. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, love you so much. See you next month for another friendship boat.
0: (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) Oh, my God, I signed into my old Facebook account. And yeah. there's so many videos from back then, because all those all those videos and stuff that we did way back then, they're gone mm-hmm. because my little hard drive thing. All of my early twenties and up until like 2009 and shit is gone. Mm-hmm. So okay,
1: uh but it's on your old Facebook. I didn't know you MySpace. had an old Facebook. MySpace. Oh, you said Facebook. I did. Oh, I'm gonna try to save it. Yeah, save it. We'll post it on the Patreon because <laughs> that's just embarrassing.
0: The TNG workout traits. Oh my God. All right. I got to go.
1: Okay. I love you so much. I love you too. Is that it? Okay.
0: Bye, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining yeah. Patreon. We love you.
1: Bye. Thanks. Bye. We love you. Wee.